Thank you, Amy. Beautiful. We've had uh, just a lot of neat things happening um, in the church this week. A lot of fun stuff happened. A lot of stuff even outside the church. Let me say real quick, because um, I don't want to forget, uh, as we're, we're kind of you know, having, we lift each other up in prayer and we know of needs. Uh, KJ down here, I know she's fighting a little bit of bronchitis and we're, we're praying for her for a number of reasons. One, certainly that she'll feel better, but two, KJ is one of the stars of, uh, with the Sarasota Players. Am I saying that right, KJ? Sarasota Players. Uh, they're doing a run of the Follies uh, by, with the music by Sondheim. And um, that's going on until April 14th uh, down in Sarasota. If you'd love to go see it, Tony and I and Cassidy went and saw the show on Wednesday night. It's fantastic. KJ is wonderful. The whole cast is wonderful. So I know a lot of you like to go to theater. And, and we've supported theater in a lot of ways. And so that's one. And you can see KJ center stage on that, one of the starring roles. And like I said, fantastic. So, so pray for her and her voice. Um, Pray for that because she's got two weeks to go. So uh, we wanted to be we wanted to be strong for that. I also want to thank you all as as I've done so many times. Uh, first last Sunday with your support of the the youth and their pancake breakfast, they they raised over nineteen hundred dollars in that. So thank you um, for helping us send them uh, to camp. So that was great. Then many of you, I saw a lot of you uh, Monday at Chili's. We I, they did not expect all of us, and as many of us as came, and uh, they say they were ready for us, they were not ready for us, but, uh, but that was a good time, and, and a certain, I was laughing at myself, because I'm walking around Chili's welcome, welcoming people, like I own the place, you know, and uh, so uh, anyway, but thank you for that, and then la- Friday night with the, uh, the, the malt shop, um, the memories concert, and, and all of that, it was just, it's been a great week, we've had a lot of fun this week. And so, and then, and then, oh, let me not forget. And then yesterday, all of you who are volunteers at our thrift stores, uh, their half price sale. That was another big day. So just a lot of, a lot of neat stuff happening. So thank you um, for the ways that, that you get involved and um, get connected and either serve or just you know are a part of some of the opportunities that are uh, that are going on um, every week as we um, as we kind of move through this season of uh, through the season of Lent. And, and as we do, we continue this morning um, our series, looking at the words of Jesus from the cross. And, and this morning, uh, we're on the fourth word. And this word, and we're going to get to it in a minute, we, we find it in Mark. Um, it is interesting, it's the only words from the cross that Mark records. The only words from the cross that Matthew records. Mark and Matthew both, both have these words of Jesus. In fact, these are the only words that Jesus speaks from the cross that are recorded in more than one gospel. Luke has some, John has some, Mark and Matthew have one, and they both have the same word. And, and that's what we'll read um, in just a moment. And it is the first time in our series of, of looking at these words of Jesus that his words become a little um, focused on, on his own experience in those moments, in his own suffering. Up until this point, everything that Jesus has said has kind of focused on someone else. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You, today, talking to the, the, the criminal crucified with him, today, 
you will be with me in paradise. Looking at his mother, woman, behold your son. Looking at John, John, behold your mother. All of these things that he has said up until this point have been focused outward. Now we see Jesus speaking words and, and crying out in a way that speaks of his own suffering and, and his own experience on the cross. And so, again, we find this in both Mark and Matthew, but this morning we're going to read from Mark. And we're going to pick this up in the 15th chapter, beginning at verse 33. And this is what we read. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. He said, brothers and sisters, these are the words of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, that we would be just continuing to be attentive and attuned to your words and to what you speak to us through these experiences of Christ. Lord, bless these moments. We give them to you and we offer them in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus' words here are a quote, you may not know, from the, the 22nd Psalm. Last week, we talked about the 22nd Psalm as, as it foreshadows some of the other events on the cross, the, the gambling of the soldiers for Jesus' clothing, for his garments. When Jesus, in these moments, he quotes the very first verse of the 22nd Psalm, my God my God, why have you forsaken me? And those words that, that, that kind of punctuate the statement, my God, my God, those words, they're a cry that in some ways is familiar to us, personally familiar to us, maybe not in quite that phrasing, but, but in many ways what Jesus is saying is as he's suffering, as he's dying on the cross, he cries out, oh my God, oh my God. And, and I think those are words that probably have come from our lips at one time or another. Sometimes those words come from our lips in flippant ways. We, we have to acknowledge it. Sometimes it, it's, it's an expression that comes with no thought, no intentionality. It just, it just comes based on maybe surprise or something that catches us off guard. We, we, we see um, an outfit that we've been looking for and we, we get excited and we say, oh my God, there it is. Uh, maybe not. We, uh, how about you hear some gossip about somebody? Oh my God, did that really happen? Maybe you're favorite college basketball team has escaped two games in a row by the skin of their teeth. And you go, oh my God, I can't believe he missed again. The point is that sometimes it comes off flippantly. Now it shouldn't. Let me, let me not make light of that. Let me be careful here. Um, it, it shouldn't. 
God should not be a name that comes off flippantly and irreverently. But, but if we're going to be honest, it probably has for all of us. And so it becomes this, this, um, this statement that, that carries no weight and, and carries no real, real meaning or, or significance. But then the other is in moments of, of real I- emotional experience. Um, you, you find out you're having a child. Oh, my God. Uh, an expression of joy. Um, on the flip side of that, you, you drive by a horrific accident. Oh, my God. Maybe you get the diagnosis from the doctor. Cancer. Oh, my God. In those moments, even if it's instinctual, it, it, it carries a little bit more weight. It, at its very best, it's an invitation of God to enter into our time and our place and, and into our moment. The first is, is flippant. It, it, it is, it's a verbal placeholder. It, it has no real meaning. But the second is and can be an invitation of God to be present in the midst of whatever it is we are experiencing in that moment. Jesus is not speaking these words, my God, my God, in, in a flippant way but in a powerful and a profound way that speaks the two realities of what he is experiencing in these moments. Now, the first is this. Jesus is, as we know, the, the obvious experience of the cross. Jesus is physically suffering. He, he, he's physically suffering the pain of crucifixion, of, of nails driven into his hands and his feet, of of the agony of the hours on the cross. And so he gives expression to his pain through this cry, my God, my God. And, and, and I think we can, at, at any level, n- not identify with his suffering, not the extent of his suffering, but, but we verbally communicate through, um, through both words and, and, and other means um, physical discomfort or challenges. Sometimes this is insignificant. It's, it's lighthearted. It doesn't have to be always kind of heavy and weighty. Um, for instance, how many of you know what dad noises are? Anybody familiar with what a dad noise is? I, I had not heard this until I saw, um, it was actually a, a kind of a little uh, comedy bit on what a dad noise this is. This is a dad noise. This is, this is what, it, what, what a dad noise is. I was wondering... Okay, you ready? (laughs) See, now you know what a dad noise is, don't you? And then it comes, the second part is this. That's a dad noise. It's the sounds you make standing up, sitting down, doing routine things. And now here's what was so troubling about that. Once I became aware of it, I've also become aware of how often I do that, and um, that, that's troubling. But it's 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 a lighthearted recognition that is as even simple things get maybe a little bit more challenging as we age that we tend to punctuate them with um, with with verbal or or at least um, 
audible e expressions. They say women don't do that as much. You guys are more, more discreet than, than guys are. We don't care. But, um, <laughs> but, but that's lighthearted. That's, that's insignificant. On the other end of the spectrum are moments in our lives when we are really hurting, really, really in pain. And very often we cry out in those moments. I, I know years ago when I suffered through a kidney stone, um, there was a lot of talking and crying out to God, usually in a fetal position on the floor. I'm not exaggerating that. It was, it was awful, but it was, it was kind of this cry out, you know, because I was hurting so much. Now, I am not even remotely comparing that experience to Christ's experience. I'm rather just kind of making that connection that we can identify that, that part of this cry is, is a cry of Christ's suffering. My God, my God. You know, he, is, he is in a pain that, that we cannot begin to comprehend and, and suffering in, in real and physical and, and brutal, brutal ways. And so part of what we just recognize is, is that cry of Jesus. But then th there's something a little bit more because there's also an emotional component of this. Because he doesn't just say, my God, my God, but he quotes that, that verse in the 22nd Psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me why why have you forsaken me and that is a more difficult phrase for us to to contend with because we believe that Jesus is God that no point in this journey in his experience did Jesus cease to be anything less than God Father Son and Holy Spirit and we do creeds and affirmations of faith we talk about this uh, we profess this, I believe in God the Father, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, and in the Holy Spirit. So how, how do we understand this, this word forsaken? Because forsaken means to abandon. Do we understand, do we believe that God for a moment abandoned Jesus? That Jesus was for a moment any less than, than God? Well, no. But we do recognize that Jesus felt a brokenness in a relationship in this moment. Jesus, uh, the nature of, of the triune God is, is that God is relational. You know, it is, it is, it is a mystery to us. Trinity is, is not easy for us to, to, to fully comprehend and grasp. Uh, it's not easy. Julie McNaughton and I talk about this in our confirmation class with middle schoolers. And you know what? It's hard to make sense of it with middle schoolers. It's hard to make sense of it with adults. Because it is the nature of God, which is not fully within our ability to grasp that, that nature of God. But what, what we do know is that God is relational. That's what, that's what the Trinity says to us. Always has been. It wasn't something that came about when Jesus was born. But it was who God was before Jesus came in earthly form. And in Genesis, there's that line, let us make God, or let us make people in our image and and in John chapter 1 it says in the beginning was the word which which is Christ in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God nothing has come into being that that didn't come into being through him and that word became flesh so there is this relational it is it is a connectedness of father son and holy spirit a loving self-connected relationship it's part of the reason we're relational we're made in the image of God I don't care who you are. You need people. We might need different kinds and different amounts, but we need each other because we're relational. In these moments, Jesus is on the cross. 
and, and, and he, is, he is suffering. And, and the, the scriptures tell us that, that he's carrying the weight of sin. He, he's carrying the weight of sin. The, the verse that we've gone to over and over again in this series, 2 Corinthians 5.21, says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we through him may become the righteousness of God. And sin breaks relationships. It, it, it breaks relations. And we know this. Sin breaks relationships that we have with God. It breaks our relationships with others. It breaks relationships in ourselves. Sin breaks relationships. And, and we see this. We see this tangibly. We see this lived out in, in the story of creation, in the Genesis story. Adam and Eve in this garden, this paradise, in this perfect communion and relationship with God. And what breaks that? It's, it's their sin. It's their disobedience. It's their selfishness. We don't need to do what God says. We can do what we want to do. And when they do, the relationship is broken. And that, that intimacy with God would not be the same after sin. And in that moment, God begins to work to restore the relationship. God begins to put those wheels in motion to bring that, that reconciliation between us and Him. And that reconciliation finds culmination on the cross. But in those moments on that cross, as Jesus is physically suffering, He's feeling the weight of the sin that He carries, the sin that has gotten Him, that has is, that is put Him on the cross, the, the hostility and the anger and the hatred and the worst of humanity that we've talked about that has is, that is nailed him to that tree. That he's not just dying for the sins of those people, he's dying for all of us. He's dying for the sins we've committed, he's dying for the sins we commit, he's dying for the sins that we will commit, so that we will no longer be separated from God. But in those moments, on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's praying an honest prayer, he feels the distance from the Father. He feels the weight of abandonment. He feels the weight of brokenness. And friends, if the cross teaches us anything, we have to take sin seriously. We have to because there's a cost to sin. There is a cost. We, we, we focus rightfully so on grace. For grace we have been saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. We know that we all fallen short, but, but the danger is, and Paul warns about this in Romans 6, there's a danger that we, we so celebrate grace that we discount sin, that, that we, we treat sin flippantly. Well, God will forgive me, right? God will forgive me. It's okay. God forgives. And, and Paul in Romans 6, chapter 1, he says, do we sin so that grace can abound? Do we just write off sin and say, well, well if I sin, the more I sin, the more God gets to give me grace. Hey, everybody wins. We are dead to sin. We, we give that up. And, and, and granted, we know that we fall into those traps and we're not without sin. But, but there's a danger when we treat sin lightly as if it doesn't have a cost. And I'm not just talking about the cost that Christ paid. But it continues to, to erode our relationship. It has impact. Not one of us in here. I'm certain of this. Not one of us has not had relationships broken in our lives because of our sin or the sin of another, because of the selfishness, self-centeredness, the, the traps that we fall into. Not one of us has not felt our distance from God from time to time because of our own sin and disobedience. Not one of us, I think, 
who's really reflected has not felt the inner turmoil that sin begins to, to, to cause in us. And all of these we, we must take seriously because Christ paid a tremendous price. So much so that he felt the brokenness of the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These words are powerful. They're profound. It's interesting. It's one of the few times in the Gospels that the Gospel writers, when they recorded this, they recorded it in the original language that Jesus spoke. The, the scriptures were recorded in Greek. Most of us who went to seminary, we studied Greek. But Jesus didn't speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic. And I had a hard enough time with Greek. I wasn't about to try to learn Aramaic. But the scriptures want us to hear those words as he would have, as it would have sounded had we been there. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus feels that way. That's an honest cry. Because what he desires is that intimacy with the Father that he's known his entire life. We know that brokenness, that feeling of brokenness didn't last long. The empty tomb is proof of that. But we know in those moments, he feels that heaviness, feels that suffering of the weight of sin. In fact, it's interesting that, that those who heard him cry out thought he was calling for Elijah. That, that's just kind of a side note. They think he's calling for Elijah. Elijah was known as that prophet that would help and, and deliver people. They think he's kind of calling out for this grand deliverance. But it's not. He knows that that's not the deliverance he's going to experience. What he's crying out for is to know the presence of the Father. For that triune relationship to be restored. Friends, sin separates. And we need to take stock in our lives. We need to be honest in prayer and reflection. Lord, where is, is my sin? Where's my brokenness? Where's my selfishness causing distance? Where am, I, where am I suffering the brokenness of a relationship with you or with others in my life or the, even with myself? Because I've treated sin too flippantly. I've sinned so grace may abound. Don't, don't treat it flippantly. Christ died so that sin would no longer separate us. Brothers and sisters, don't let it. Don't let it. Recognize what God has done. Take seriously that gift that Christ has given, the bridge that has been built, the restoration that we've received, and allow ourselves to receive the grace that restores and to do our best to walk away from the sin that breaks and divides. Amen? Amen? Friends, let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we confess that sometimes we, we haven't taken sin seriously enough. But when we look at you in the cross, when we hear those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We, we are reminded of the great cost of sin and the price that you paid and the love that is beyond our comprehension. Lord, help us to never take that seriously. Lord, we know we fall short. We thank you for your grace, but that we would never use that as an excuse 
that we'd recognize there is a cost, and there's still a cost in our relationships when we take sin lightly. Cleanse us. Forgive us. Restore us. This is our prayer through Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.